welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Today we're starting our series called Christmas Stories. And so we're going to talk about Christmas. And it's our favorite time of the year, a lot of us. And uh, uh, the title of my little talk, little message for you today is It's the Thought That Counts. And this is a great thing we teach our children. It's a great thing we say to ourselves. A lot of us are going to get gifts this year that we want. A lot of us are going to get gifts this year that we don't want and we never asked for. I'm a person that uh, if someone asks me, hey, what do you want for Christmas? My answer is cash, right? And uh, for some people, that's like an affront to them that you would ask for cash as a gift. Don't you know that cash is not a gift? Um, those people are absolutely wrong. <laughs> Any, anybody in their right mind that's alive, I feel like, that's breathing, and maybe this is just me, loves money. Like, I want it. I want more of it, as much as I can get. I want to be generous, like Pastor Keith said, but, like, the more money in my bank account and the more money I get to spend on stuff, the happier I am, because that's part of being a human being. So, of course, if you're going to give me something, give me the power to buy more stuff, period. The stuff I want. I'm a person, I don't always know, some, some people are like this. They know exactly what they want at any moment. You know, they can write the letter to Santa. They got 15 things on the list. Like, what do you want from Santa this year? Santa, bring me money. I know if your elves can make toys, they can print money. So bring that. <laughs> so I was in this conversation with someone one time. And it was a, you know, what do you want for Christmas conversation, right? Which is weird already when you're an adult. What do you want for Christmas? I want, you know, I don't know. I have a job so I can pretty much go buy whatever I want, you know. So what do you answer? Well, I want money. Just give me cash. I'm not asking for a certain dollar amount. I mean, that's a whole other level. If you go, hey, I want $1,000 for Christmas. <laughs> Great. Um, just give me money. Whatever you'd spend on a gift, just give me money. And I'll, you know, I could buy, stump, you know, give my kids gifts, give my family gifts, give, give Courtney a gift, whatever. And this person's like, I'm not giving you money for Christmas. I'm like, why? They're like, that's not a gift. Money is not a gift at all. I'm going to go buy you something. So I'm like, so you asked me. I didn't ask you to ask me. You asked me, what do you want for Christmas? I told you. Then you said, I'm not getting you that. Isn't this supposed to be my gift? Like you're getting a gift for me, not for, for yourself. So I guess you giving a gift is more about how you feel about the gift than me even choosing to see it as a gift. So thank you in advance for whatever you're going to buy on clearance that nobody wanted that I'm going to then go give to somebody else or Goodwill's just going to really love it. So uh, that half of the room is down for that. This half of the room is a little bit mad because they want to give you a, a shirt for Christmas. And that's all good. You know, life works that way. Um, so we teach our kids and we teach ourselves, hey, you know, like you get a gift you don't want. One time my cousin, I was at his birthday party. He's like, a, like 12 years old. It's like his 12-year-old birthday party. One of his friends gave him a screwdriver, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're 12 and you want a screwdriver for your birthday, more power to you. I don't want a screwdriver now. I'm 33 years old. I don't even know if I have one. I got people that have those that can come to my house at any time. So it's the thought that counts. You know, that person, they wanted to give you a gift. So just be grateful. When I was a kid and I would get stuff I didn't want, to this day I still struggle with it. I get stuff I don't want, like I open it. Like what I would do when I was a kid, I would open it, I'd just move on to the next thing. Wouldn't say anything. 
Like, okay, open that gift. All right, anyway, put that to the side. So my parents had to talk to me about, hey, like, say thank you to the person. I'm like, I don't want it. What's there to say thank you for? I didn't even want this. <laughs> so now I'm 33, it's still like you could tell when I don't want something that I get. I go, oh, thank you. Awesome. And I like just try for about five or ten seconds to practice generosity, like practice gratefulness. Like, okay, I'm going to move on to the next gift. Thanks so much. You know, just whatever. I, maybe I'll forget this at your house. Anyway. So in the, Bible, in the Bible, this happened. In the story of humanity, this happens a lot. We teach our kids this. We talk to them about this. Um, I'll talk about my clothes. That's later. Pastor Keith knows the script, so he's telling me to talk about my clothes. And I'll talk about those in a second. <laughs> so Luke chapter 1 in the Bible. There's, we pick up the story. A lot of us know the story. We teach our kids the story. There is a young lady named Mary. Scholars say she's, she's believed to be around 14 to 16 years of age. The age that women got married at that point in history in Jewish culture was around 16. So we can confidently say that she's around that age. So the Bible tells us this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Cool. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, that sounds cool, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So, so cute, these biblical people. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Uh, other versions say, nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said in me about me come true. And the angel left her. Um, if you've ever been pregnant before, you might have really wanted to be pregnant. If you've ever had a kid before, you've probably lived out what the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 3 about how childbirth is painful and difficult. Greetings favored Mary, the Lord has chosen you to become pregnant by a miraculous turn of events. You know, this is going to happen. We don't know if Mary ever asked for this gift. Gives us all this really just powerful language, the most high, the whatever. Some of you are like, hey, hang on, you're talking about Jesus. And Jesus means a whole lot to us. Well, Mary's a 16-year-old girl in this story. Let's, let's like imagine, just go with me for a second that a Bible character is actually a human being. Because she is. Imagine yourself in this situation. God's like, if you have found uh, an angel shows up in your world, uses all this really great language. You have found favor with God. You're most holy. Now you're going to go through nine months of this and have a baby and he will be the most high. You know, and like my thought as a person, like if, if an angel came and told me that, my response is Mary's response and that's to be confused and disturbed. It didn't say like excited and joyful. 
It's like confused and disturbed. And then her ultimate response was, okay, let it be according to what you have said. Like if that's what, if that's what God said, I guess I'm going on this journey because I don't really get a choice at this point. So God's like, you're getting a gift. The world's getting a gift. That gift's gonna come through you. There's gonna be a lot of stuff that happens in your life from this point forward that you didn't ask for, but it's the thought that counts. Because I have a thought for the world. I have a plan for the world. I have a purpose for the world. And you know what, you know what, being, you know what being favored means is you understanding that there's a plan that counts in your life. So you might not have asked for this circumstance. You might not have asked for this situation. Might not have been your prayer, Mary, to one day be the mother of the Son of God on the earth. But guess what? You're the, you're the person. I feel like you can handle it. I feel like you're going to give us the best chance here to bring about the plan. And so it's my thought that counts because I'm the one giving the gift. So I'm a person who tends to be generally ungrateful if you don't give me what I want. We live in, we live in a, a world, right, where... Um, where consumer culture says you just get people the gifts that they want and then we try to teach our kids and teach ourselves that hey it's the thought that counts at the end of the day so just don't be an ingrate don't look a gift horse in the mouth all this different stuff that we say to try to get people to be grateful back to this philosophical question that I asked a second ago is a gift a gift because you the recipient think it's a gift or is a gift a gift because the giver thinks it's a gift it wasn't about in this story it wasn't about Mary going man I'm so this is the gift that I've wanted my whole life this is what I prayed for and believed for. It was God saying, I have a gift I want to give. You're going to be a part of that. You're going to have to deal with all the whatever that comes along with that. And so it's important that you understand, even in the midst of your confusion and you being disturbed, that sometimes it's not about whether or not you see this as a gift. If you think about it in our own family situations and circumstances, how we try to teach people this. If you get something you don't want, that's when the test comes of being ungrateful. We're not ungrateful when we get what we want. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. You got what you want, well, now I'm ungrateful about it. It's like, no, we teach our kids to be grateful when they don't get what they want. Be grateful for what you have. This is the, this is the situation that we find ourselves in. This is the situation that Mary finds themselves in, finds herself in. You know, uh, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 28, some of you know this verse really well, maybe have it on your mirror in your car, maybe tattooed somewhere. Um, the Bible says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, this is how, this is how uh, in my opinion, American Christians are, have acted throughout this year. Oh, I was meant to turn that down. I'd left it on. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's not my normal personality. But the Bible says God has a plan. Like, oh my gosh, COVID's killing everybody. Right? Oh my gosh, the election. Oh my gosh, we have to solve racism in six days to fix everything. Because the world's falling apart. You don't understand. Everything's everything's awful. And we're just now realizing everything's awful and this on top of this and that on top of that. And, can't, you know, oh, my gosh, we have to fix it. But those guys are evil. And then these guys over here are evil. And that person thinks this, and that makes them stupid. And then this person thinks the opposite thing, and they're also stupid. And so everybody's stupid, and we're so stupid we can't fix it. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Right? That would be my summary. We can't even take a breath because we're just so consumed with 
what's going to happen? What's the world going to look like? Oh my gosh, is this, is this the end? Um, if we could choose whether or not it was the end, we probably wouldn't choose for it to be the end. But we're on a little bit of a ride that we didn't get to start. We don't get to decide when it's over. People, there are people in the world, I'm not saying anybody in this room or anybody watching, there are people in the world who claim to be Christians who are freaked out right now. They feel like everything is falling apart and nothing's good, nothing good is going to happen. The Bible says there's a plan. Like, like, just think about it. Is there a plan or not? Because if I know there's a plan, like with my kids, I have a three-year-old daughter. If I have a plan for her to do something, right? She might not like a step of it, but there's like a whole sequence of events. If we're going to go to Disney World, we're going to get on a plane. Like you might not want to get on a plane, but a part of going to Disney World is you got to get on a plane. Now, as a parent, I understand that. As a three-year-old, she doesn't really maybe get that. So there's a plan. Now, the problem is you and I didn't make the plan. And that's our main issue. That's why we're freaking out. Because we don't like how the plan's going. Like, hey, God, I mean, why does it have to be this way? Why do I have to experience this? Why am I going through this? And I'm not saying that, that anything is not serious. I'm not saying that anything's not a big deal. And we just like go, well, whatever. Okay, sera, sera. It's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if we can properly contextualize our life, and understand there's certain things that we can control, certain things that we can't, and believe that there's a plan somewhere mixed in there. We don't freak out about stuff. There's already enough people in the world that are freaking out. Let's not just add ourselves to that. I get it, man. Like, we all get it, right? We're all living in the same world at the same time. None of us are not having to experience what we're, what we're currently experiencing in our, in our world today. You know, you got people, everyone's yelling at each other, everyone's mad about whatever. You know, some people, hey, if you put on a mask, you're a sheep. Some people, if you don't put on a mask, you're basically a war criminal, right? There's no, there's no room in between for any kind of ration or rationality or logic about anything. We're just freaking out because everyone's killing everybody or everyone's trying to kill everybody or somewhere in the mix of that, right? And it just feels crazy. And God's like, hey, like, hang on. Remember, like, you claim to have a relationship with me, so I need you to just go on this journey of thinking. Maybe there's an overriding plan for not just you as a person, but for humanity that's happening. And I know right now you're just living in the moment you're living in, but I'm God and I kind of see every moment all at the same time. And so Mary, you might not want the gift of this moment. You might not want the gift of the next nine months. But if you look back 2,000 years later, man, we're all sure glad that that gift happened. Because without that gift, a whole lot of great stuff wouldn't have happened in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean it was super great for Mary. Think about this. A gift is only a gift if we want it to be. This is where Pastor Keith wants me to talk about my uniform. This is the part he was trying to get me to talk about earlier. <laughs> I wear this every day. I'm a weirdo. I'm an eccentric person. I've openly and honestly admit it. I have a uniform. I have 14 black t-shirts. I wear a black t-shirt every day. If you, if you tell me, hey, come to this event, there's formal wear, I will wear the best black t-shirt that I have to that event. <laughs> I have 14 black t-shirts, four pairs of black jeans, all the same brand, 
okay, and I have one pair of black boots. Now, I don't feel the need to just change my shoes every day like I change my clothes, and, you know, that's how I am. So I have a uniform, right? This is not a political statement. I'm not Johnny Cash, nothing like that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be cool, okay? I'm just lazy. <laughs> I don't want to shop, but I also don't want to look weird. I don't want to get up here or live my life with pleated khakis on. Now, if you have pleated khakis, it's 2020. Okay, we're not, we moved on. Like, it's all good, it's all good. Okay, there is grace and mercy for the pleated khaki people in the family. But please, please, for your sake and for the sake of others, let it go. If you, if you like, you know, if you're a braided belt person, like when I was a kid, braided belts were the thing. You did the belt, but the belt was extra long, so you'd do it, and then you'd flip it around, and then it would be like down on your leg, which is weird now, but back then, that was the thing. Or like Jinkos, like some of us, like we still rock pants with the 30-inch leg opening. Like those, we've moved on, okay? We've moved on. Here's the thing. I'm 33. I already look back at pictures of myself, go, I'm embarrassed for me that I looked like that. So I decided I'm going to have a uniform so that 10 years from now, I don't, I don't look back and go, what was I doing? At the very least, I can go, that was kind of weird that I wore all black every day. Now I'm into different clothes. But anyway, I digress. So the reason why I tell you that whole story is uh, because I'll have people, they just, they love me. You know, they want to help me. They think I'm weird. They know I'm weird because I talk about how weird I am all the time. So they think, I'm going to get you like a blue shirt. I'm going to get you a blue shirt because you need to step it up. You know, I'm like, all right. Am I ever going to wear the blue shirt? Absolutely not. <laughs> this is my decision at this point. I can't tell you when it's, when it's not going to be my decision anymore, but it won't be because someone buys me a blue shirt. In their mind, they're thinking they're doing me a favor, giving me a gift, going, hey, like, don't be such a freak and just dress like the rest of us and change your clothes every day, okay? They're thinking they're helping me. Or I've had people in the past go, man, like, what color are your socks? What color socks do you wear? You like do personality with the socks? Like, nope, black socks is what I wear. <laughs> I'm gonna get you some, I'm gonna get you some crazy socks. That way it can just be like your personal th like thing that you have, like you rock socks. I'm like, that's a great idea. I'll never wear those socks though. I got socks that people have given me. They're in my drawer right now, still with the, all the plastic and the whole thing. I'm like, thank you so much for these socks that I will never wear, but I can't give them away because it was like a really sweet gift from somebody, right? So they're thinking, they're thinking they're giving me a gift. For me, it's just another thing to take up space in my life. I've already made my decision about how I'm going to dress. Right? So think about our life. Think about this year. Think about this season. Think about whatever it is that we're experiencing. That person who's given the gift might think it's a gift. But it's up to me to not be uh, a dummy and be grateful that someone went and spent their hard-earned money right, to buy me a gift that they didn't have to buy me. I know, like, it's, it's, it's funny for me because I'm a cynical person and all that, but how, how awful would that be if to someone's face they, they gave me this gift and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to wear this, by the way, thanks. One time when I was a kid, at the same birthday party, by the way, that the, my cousin got a screwdriver, he got a toy that he already had, and so I said, he already has one of those. <laughs> So they had to tell me, you don't, you don't say that, like he already has one. You know, we just take it back or whatever later on because it makes it seem like we don't care about the gift. 
And so some people live through their life. We only get one life. We only get the amount of time we get on the earth. Man, 2020 is what 2020 is. Whatever the things are that, that are <clears throat> struggle in our life, whatever the things are that we didn't want, whatever the things are that are hard in our life, are there right now. But the time we have on this earth is a gift. And if I choose to see it as, well, I reject this gift, well, it's still there, you know. Now it just makes my life worse. Think about this. Just insert your situation here, okay? Blank happened and blank is bad. Blank happened and blank is bad. This, you know, COVID happened and COVID is bad. Right? We could say to ourselves, well, objectively, you know, it's a bad situation that we're all living in, experiencing. A divorce happened and a divorce is bad or some tragedy happened. Tragedy is bad. Is that two statements or one? It's two statements. It's not one statement, even though it's one sentence. One is a factual statement of events. This happened. Time passed. 2020 happened. This situation happened. The other is a judgment of the event's meaning. So I, so I decide in every moment, believe it or not, you and I, we decide in every moment whether a situation is good or bad, just like we do with gifts. If I get something that I really want, of course I see it as good. If I get something that I didn't ask for, then I have to decide whether or not I see that as good. That doesn't just, that's not just gifts, that's life. If something happens to me, it's ultimately my interpretation of what's happening to me that makes the difference, not the actual situation itself. Usually when we say something happened, it's a situation outside of our control. Factual events often are. Right? 2020, completely outside of our control. Whatever you're personally experiencing right now is completely outside of your control. When, when you or I say that it's good or bad, we may not realize is that we're judging that event to be a certain way based on our perspective of it. Marcus Aurelius said it this way. He said, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. That's so easy to say. Oh, man, thank you. You know, no one had maybe ever written that before, but now that you wrote that, that actually fixes my situation. I appreciate that, Marcus. You're so great. You're a good emperor, right? We, uh, we say this. We say this to our kids. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, or you've heard this. You know, this is, a, this is a, just an aphorism we hear repeated all throughout, all throughout life in our in the world that we live in. That's a, such a good sentiment, you know? And, you know, if any of you've ever made homemade lemonade or, you know, you, you've, you've been at a restaurant and they don't have lemonade, you make like po'boy lemonade with the lemons and the, you know, a little sugar in there. You know, it takes a little bit of work, right? To make, uh, to make lemonade. You know, I'm convinced that some people think that, the, that they believe, you know, life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And, and they're convinced that the way to turn lemonade or lemons into lemonade, is to just get really upset, be really loud, and demand to see life's manager. Like, I'm going to need to talk to somebody because I didn't ask for these lemons and y'all gave them to me. Now, I'm going to try to do something with them, but I'm going to scream at you a whole bunch first. Make sure you know how much I don't like the, lemon, I don't like the lemons that you gave me. And they think that the, the, the longer that goes on, the more we complain, the more we struggle, the more we whatever, that at some point, like, there will be some some. Turner, some corner that gets turned and these things become, become uh, lemonade. So but aren't lemons a fruit? I mean, like, uh, not biologically, but like, you know, 
terminology speaking. Aren't lemons considered a fruit? Isn't there like lemon candy? There are all kinds of lemon stuff that people like. Like there's like lemon meringue pie. That's one of the, thing my, one of the things my mom makes it, that she always likes. Some people really, really enjoy the, the taste of lemons for, for some unknown reason. These are probably the same people that enjoy giving gifts instead of money. Um, <laughs> don't lemons have a good purpose inherently? Like maybe the mistake is feeling like a lemon's a curse anyway. Like what's wrong with a lemon? What did a lemon ever do to anybody that's so bad? The way we decide to see and feel about lemons is what's bad, not the lemons themselves. That's a circumstance in our life. Look at it this way. If you put, what's this? It's a lemon. So great. If you, now I'm going to, we're going to do a little uh, color test, right? So if you take, if you have glasses and you put blue lenses in the glasses, what color is the lemon? Green. I don't know, right? Does the color of the lemon change based on the glasses that you're, is that what you believe? No. Lemon's still yellow, which changes your perception of the lemon. Let me go a little bit further. These are the exact same color to me. Now, some of you in this room, you just realized you're colorblind. I'm, I am colorblind. That's why these are the exact same color, not because they are. Let me see. That's yellow. I know which, I know which one's yellow based on the order. So that's yellow. This is green, right? To me, this one's brighter than this one, but they're the exact same color. That's the way I see the world. That's just my perception that I was born with. It's the way my eyes work, right? So we go through life and we don't realize the power of our perception. We start looking at lemons going, man, those things are green. They're not, they're not yellow. Like even, even lemons are a fruit. So, we grew up, so some of you grew up in church and heard this saying a lot, you know, favor ain't fair. People say this when they're like on the good side, when they believe they're on what they perceive to be the good side of favor. Like, favor ain't fair, I got a $10 million check in the mail. Like, like Pastor Keith is saying, checks in the mail. You know, I got a house payment, and I have a, you know, I'm making a house payment every month. Like, man, you know what check in the mail I want? I want someone to write me a check, pay my house off. I don't, I'm just like need that, but I would love to have that check in the mail. So favor ain't fair, someone wrote me a check, pay my house off for no reason. Thank you, God. Now, we don't like favor ain't fair whenever we're like on the, maybe the other side of what we perceive to be good or bad. Like, favor ain't fair, got a huge medical bill in the mail. Right? <laughs> Favor ain't fair, someone left me in my life or someone didn't want to be friends with me anymore. Uh, you know, favor ain't fair, favor ain't fair, got really sick. Uh, favor ain't fair, so on and so forth. God says that Mary, through the angel Gabriel, you're favored, Mary. You're getting something you don't even want. But guess what? This thing you don't even want is going to change the world. So maybe it's something that the world wants that you don't want. Maybe you don't even need it, but the world needs it. So sometimes when God comes to us and he says, hey, you're favored, blessed and highly favored are you, that's not because your situation's good, subjectively good to you. But it's because eventually in your life, all things can work together for the good of not you personally, maybe even that, but that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So all of us are better for the fact that Jesus came to the earth through Mary. So you're not asking for it. So remember, a situation is only as good or bad as your judgment of the situation. If I look at my life and I go, man, like this is just so bad and this is just so awful. You know, it might be a struggle. I'm not like no one, no one should ever, you know, 
get up here and say, hey, life's really, life's not that hard. Everyone just suck it up. But it's like, okay, you know, you, you, there's stuff that's outside of your control. You got something you didn't want. What are you going to do about it? What's your response to that? Because your response is the thing that determines everything, not whether or not you got the gift, right? Someone gives me something I don't want. If I respond in, a, in an unkind or ungrateful way, well, that affects it more than, more than whether or not they gave me the gift in the first place. Because it's my job to see what I'm given as a gift, whatever that is, good or bad, in the moment. That's a subjective judgment anyway, because something to us, and we all know this because hindsight's always twenty twenty. something to us that seems awful, that seems so awful for us in the moment. Five years ago, five years on, we're like, man, I'm so glad that happened, because I wouldn't be here if that didn't happen. Can that, if some of y'all haven't had that yet, it's okay, you'll experience it. Right, whatever hard time you're in, you'll be glad it happened at the end of the day if you get your perspective right. And that's, and that's the situation that Mary's in. That's the situation that we're in in life right now. Robert Cumming uh, was a distinguished art critic, and he was studying this, this painting by a guy named uh, Filipino Lippi. He stood in London's National Art Gallery where this painting still hangs, and he looked at the, the painting uh, depicting G- Mary holding the infant Jesus on her lap with Dominic and Jerome kneeling nearby. But the painting troubled him. There could be no doubting Lippi's skill, his use of color or composition, but the proportions of the picture seemed slightly wrong. The hills in the background seemed exaggerated, as if they might fall out of the frame at any minute and onto the gallery's polished floor. The two kneeling saints looked awkward and uncomfortable. Cumming was not the first to criticize Lippi's work, for its poor perspective. But he may well be the last to do so because at that moment he had a revelation. It suddenly occurred to him that the problem might be his. The painting had never intended to come anywhere near an art gallery. Lippi's painting had been commissioned to hang in a place of prayer. The dignified critic dropped to his knees in the public gallery before the painting. He suddenly saw what generations of art critics had missed. From his new vantage point, he found himself gazing up at a perfectly proportioned piece of art. The foreground had moved naturally to the background. While the saints seemed settled, their awkwardness having turned to grace, Mary now looked intently and kindly directly at him as he knelt at her feet between the saints. This is the power of perspective. You know, we learn in school that... uh, Mechanically speaking, our eyes see everything upside down. It's the way light refraction works. The way our eyes work to take in light actually causes everything that we see to be flipped. So why doesn't the world look upside down to us? Like, why don't we go through life and everything just looks upside down? The answer lies in the power of our brain to adapt the information that it receives and make it fit with what it already knows. Essentially, you're you're in my brain, takes raw data from the known world that's upside down and turns it into a coherent right side up image. Science currently says that our ability to correctly orient our vision is something our body learns to do subconsciously. It's not something we're born with. So what that means is that a lot of scientists believe that it's believed for the first few days of a baby's life it sees the world upside down because its brain hasn't taken in enough data yet to be able to know what right way up is. In the 1890s, there was a psychologist named George Stratton, and he carried out a series of experiments to test the mind's ability 
to normalize sensory data. In one experiment, he wore a set of reversing glasses that flipped his vision upside down for eight days. For the first four days of the experiment, his vision remained inverted, but by day five, it had spontaneously turned right side up as his perception had adapted to the new information. After he took the the glasses off, his vision was upside down and took a full day to return to normal. So in our life, even the way our brains work, even the way our physical body works, it's all a matter of perception. If we take in enough information, our perception can be adjusted in the right way. So in this, in this season of Christmas, you know, it's like, it's a different Christmas for everybody. It's going to be that way, right? In the season of Christmas, the question is not maybe what can we be grateful for? The question is what is, what is the gift that God's giving me that I'm not seeing as a gift right now? Like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to refuse it. I'm trying to close my door. I'm trying to not let this into my life. <laughs> but there was nothing Mary could do about being pregnant. It's like... God's going to make you pregnant. Well, how? <laughs> look at her response. She's not like, yeah. She's like, okay, hang on. How is this going to happen, though? Like, you ever have someone that's like, hey, we're going to go do this, and um, uh, we're going to go make all this stuff happen, and we're going to go do this whole event that you don't want to do, and your first response is, yeah, I'm busy that day. I don't have, I, there's no way I can make it work. Well, I haven't even told you what day it is yet. Yeah, but what day is it? Oh, okay, I'm busy that day. <laughs> Trying to contextualize and maybe even make an excuse about, Hey, you're not talking to the right person. You need to go to the next house. Angel's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll see it when it happens. So there's stuff in our life that maybe has been put in our way. Maybe they're just we're having to deal with by nature of who we are, what our dynamic is, just our own personal unique journey that we have to figure out. Maybe our world feels upside down. But, um, but, like, that's sometimes the way the world looks, and it's up to us to decide which one's normal. This is the same picture. Which way's the right way? Right? It kind of changes. I might be changing a little too fast for you. Um, if you're having trouble figuring out what in the world's going on, okay, this is water. Those are mountains. This is water right here, so this is the right way up. This is upside down. Same picture, different perspectives. This looks like mountains, but that's just water. Same water that's right here. It's upside down and right side up are just a matter of perspective. We might feel like, man, you know, like again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm being funny and sarcastic and stuff, but I'm not downplaying the seriousness of this year for anybody. I'm not downplaying the difficulty outside of 2020 that you and I personally experience. It's not what it's about. But it being bad is 100% up to our perspective. God, if, I, if there's a plan, which God says there is. You're not taking my word for it. Don't believe me. God says, hey, there's a plan. All things are going to work together for good. That means even subjective good sometimes. Like eventually you'll look back and, man, like that was good. Like it came together for good. God says there's a plan, so here's what I can do. This happened, and maybe it feels bad right now. Maybe it's difficult right now, but I know in the future, in some way, God's going to use it for my good. And he's, he's maybe won't even use it for my good. Maybe he'll use it for the good of other people. And God saw fit to trust me with this burden that I feel like I'm carrying right now. 
God didn't think you could handle COVID, he wouldn't have put you on the earth in this, in this season of human history. If God, didn't, if God didn't think you couldn't handle the election of 2020, you'd, you'd already be dead, or you would never been here. But we're here, and so that means God's looking at us saying, I'm giving you a gift right now. And it's up to you to decide what you do with the gift. It's up to you to decide whether or not you see it as a gift. Now, if we throw up our hands and start screaming and yelling and throwing a fit, well, the gift's still there. You still got to open it and deal with it. Uh, but it only serves to make it harder. So this is, this is what the church, this is what, what, what living this life and following Jesus is ultimately all about. Starting with Mary. Saying, okay, God, this is the, this is the situation that I'm in. This is the circumstance that, it, that I'm in. And let it be according to your will. That's all I can do. God, you've given me this gift. Whatever it is, this time in my life, this, this, this situation that I'm really having trouble seeing the good in, you've given it to me. You've put it in front of me. And so I'm going to decide to do whatever I can to make it happen according to your will. This is, what the, this is why we need the church, and this is what the church is all about. And so we have a story about that from a, from a girl named Crystal, and I'd love to show it to you. So check it out. Crystal. I am a college student at Texas Women's University. When I was born, my parents were discovering their faith, and we moved almost every year from the time I was five until I was 12. So we never had permanent roots, and we could never get established in a church before we would move. And growing up, I wanted a church. I wanted to have those experiences, those connections, a place where I could walk in and know, like, this is my father's home. I wanted that so badly as a kid. And then when I got into middle school and high school, you get caught up in school and like the worldly things. And I just, it never was a thought. A lot in my mind, I would say I was gonna pray for you, but never would pray for you. I would listen to the gospel music, enjoy it, but never really understand it. I wanted a relationship with God. I knew I wanted to be that like God-fearing woman that just had that confidence that could just tackle on the world. And I just didn't know how to do it. In fall of 19, I started experiencing really bad depression and anxiety. I was always with my friends and they enjoyed partying. And so I just got wrapped up in that and got wrapped up in you know, staying out late. And it just got overwhelming. Like there was a couple days that I could not even get out of bed. And I remember I was driving home from college one day and I was like, if I just crash my car, I'll be okay. Like, I don't have to worry about it no more. Like, it's over. Like, I don't have to live through this anymore. And it was a love for my mom and dad and the voice inside my head that kept me from doing that. And then I went home and I was like, mom, something's gotta change. Like, I can't live like this anymore. I mean, I started seeking help. I went to counselors. I got back on medication and stuff. And it helped for a little while. I had a lot of free time to just really evaluate where I was. And I realized I was not anywhere close to where I wanted to be. I started searching, trying to find young adult, like friendly churches. And I found Elevate Life. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this one. And I remember I heard Pastor Whitney talk. The way she talked and just the love that radiated from her was like, I want that. In this time, in this season that we're living, we're in a fight. We're in a fight for many reasons. Maybe you're in the fight of your life today. We're seeing our world in, in a fight. And what we need the most is Jesus. What we need the most is the unity that only He can bring. I 
want to find a place that will help me get there. And that's when I really started like attending uh, Elevate Life. And in April 8th of 2020, I got down on my knees and I gave my life to Christ. I told him, I don't know exactly what this means yet. I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but God, it's yours. And then after learning more about the church, I found Starting Point. And that gave me the tools and the resources I needed to help me walk this walk and live this life. And from there, I found small groups and I found Maddie and Tori. And the first night I logged into that Zoom call, I felt like I was at home. Like I had a group of girls that were walking down similar paths that came from similar backgrounds at me and that didn't judge me. And that just loved me and just wanted me to be there. And those friendships and Elevate Life, like it gave me the tools, it gave me a place that I could call home and just introduced me to God and helped me walk this walk. I don't have enough words, I don't have the right words to say what it means to me to be where I'm at today. Because I've always wanted to be here. I always knew I could get here, I just didn't know how. And a starting point in small groups and Elevate Life, they it helped me get to where I am. And on September 2nd, I got baptized and that was the one thing I wanted out of my life, was to get baptized and live my life for God. I love where I am today. I'm so thankful where I am today and I want everyone else to experience this. And if my story and my past can help someone, then that's the reason I went through it. It's because God's giving me this. He had me walk this walk so I could help the next person. If you're sitting there today and you're struggling with anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts or you're just numbly walking through life and not living it, my biggest suggestion to you is just take that leap of faith. Join Starting Point. Find a small group. Plug yourself in somewhere where you can find that community that will help guide you and give you the tools and the resources you need to start living your life for God. Because the moment I started living my life for God, I haven't had anxiety. I haven't had depression. I haven't had any of those suicidal thoughts. I'm a happy person because I'm not just blindly or numbly living through life, like I'm living my life to the fullest because I'm living it for Him. So, you know, one of the things we, we kind of believe but it's hard to live is like every moment is a gift and every moment in our life, it, you know, the time that we have on this earth is really a gift from God. Um, I love what Crystal said, you know, like maybe the reason I went through all that I can help somebody else. Like, I know that's, that's so sweet and simple. Maybe the reason I went through the worst time in my life where I considered killing myself was so that I could help another person. That's the power of perspective. That's when you as a person start to get your personal power back and understand like, Man, God, every moment, every moment of my life is, is a gift from you. So you know what? I'm not asking for this. I don't, I don't want this. You know, in fact, I would, I would rather pray against everything that's happening to me right now. Like, I wish this wasn't happening. But like, man, you know, God, if this is a part of your will, this is a part of your plan, I'm going to be faithful in this journey. Like, I'm locking it in here. That's what Mary did. She didn't say, oh, I'm so excited about it. She said, okay, let it be according to your will. 
God, because you got a plan at the end of the day. So I'm just going to fight my fight to keep my perspective right. Like even when Jesus is acting up, acting a fool, I have to put him in timeout, take his pom-poms away. That's one of the ways we discipline our children. You get a pom-pom if you're good, you get one taken away if you're bad. So imagine when Jesus was a kid too, right? How are we going to discipline Mary and Joseph? How are we going to discipline the Son of God? I don't know. Like, is this kid really a gift? This kid's wearing me out right now. He's crying, didn't take a nap today. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Well, this, this child is a blessing to the both of us. <laughs> like, like, hey, let's, Mary, you know, let's just keep our perspective right. Joseph, keep your perspective right. Don't yell at him now. You don't want to get struck dead. Remember, he's God's son. He's not your son. <laughs> I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But, like, he's one day, you know, on and on I could go. So in our life, I'm never, never should we discount the mountains other people have to climb. Never should we discount the difficulty of our present situation. That's not what I'm saying. It's hard. I get it. I got my own hard stuff. We all do. But how do I choose to see the hard stuff that I'm experiencing? We can't avoid it. It's, a, it's actually can be if we choose to see it that way. A gift from God for us, yes, but also for other people, for the world. So how do you see your life? These are, my, these are my last two thoughts, last two questions for you. How do you see your life? How do you see the circumstance and situation you find yourself in? How do you see it? And then you answer this question for yourself. How should you see it? How should you see what you're going through? How should you see what you've been through? How, what, what should your perspective be in the midst of feeling like it's upside down and out of control? What should you do? The great news is that God can help us with that. That's the connection point. That's the thing that matters. It's not doing it under our own power. It's understanding that it's God that has the plan. God put us on this earth for a purpose. We're not just random atoms colliding with each other in the universe. God, God put us on the, on the earth and he has a purpose and a plan for the time that we're allotted on this planet. And I have to buy into that. I have to live my life in such a way that I go, God, okay, like there's a plan for all this. I don't see it, I don't feel it, but I know you got a plan. And one of your plans is for me to understand and follow Jesus, get to know him. Because your plan embodied in the earth is a person named Jesus. And there's a lot of conversations that you and him should have. The first conversation is just really deciding to follow him. Not just believing that he came to the earth and died on a cross and all that. Actually, that's the easiest part. The hardest part is to live like him. But he's wanting to invite you on the journey to live out that plan and that purpose and that destiny and have the right perspective in the midst of any circumstance or any situation. It just takes us deciding to do that. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.